Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. I think it's safe to say that our luck has officially turned around, guys. We are back, baby. We're back. Classic. We are back. That's We are back. We are getting Doug back. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. Michael Preston. We are back. We haven't had a football game to talk about on a podcast since Cheez-It Bowl? The Cheez-It Bowl. That was the last football game we got to talk about on this podcast. And uh, I'm I'm tickled it's not what we get to talk about this time. (laughs) You remember, do you know that meme, how it started, how it's going? That would apply so much. You remember that cheese it like fan box in one end zone and like cheese it had like this these like grandiose drawings of their big giant cheese it box in one corner and then you got to the game and it was like this little two story tall thing with like four seats and one for Pat McAfee to jump around in. Like that's all it was. How it started, how it's going. Jeff Neusser of Podcast vs. Everyone fame of Kook Center fame going to join us because it is surprisingly hard to find people to talk about the Oregon State Beavers. And again, you're starting your conference schedule with the bottom dwellers in the Pac-12 North in all likelihood. So we're going to talk a little bit about kind of camp and everything related to how we've gotten to here. And then we'll do our another head of the week and ask Michael anything. Uh, if you listened to the season preview podcast we did for the kook center kind of general website preview of this season i kind of equated this to being drunk and laying in bed and putting that foot on the floor right where you just need something to ground you you just need something that feels familiar and i think that's kind of what this is We don't get to go to Pullman. We don't get to go to Martin Stadium this year. I frankly think, I think if we're all being honest, there's a little less excitement around this season just because it's a seven-game season. You don't get that buildup of non-conference games. You don't get that buildup of camp in August. You don't get any of that. But at least it's just it's this little bit of something that is a little bit normal. And in a year that has been so, so long already, and depending on when you're listening to this, getting longer, (laughs) depending on your political preferences. Uh, I'm recording it before we know what the heck goes on, so, you know, it could be going, getting longer for any of you. Um, It's a little bit normal. A little, little bit. Right? Like, this year's been so weird. I'm normally Mr. Don't put thanks... Or don't put Thanksgiving decorations. Don't put Christmas decorations up until after Thanksgiving. If they're up today, I don't care, man. You go batty. You put up as many... I was going to put lights up in my office today completely spaced on it. You have fun. You start playing Christmas music all you want. I do not care. 
you do it. Because if it's going to make you happy, you do it. That's frankly probably the attitude I should have had before this, but especially this year, just do it, man. So it's it's just it's that little itty bit of normalcy. And part of what we talked about on that season preview podcast was I'm, I'm having a hard time meshing kind of normal expectations with how I feel about this season. Because, and Jeff will talk about this a little bit, and it's, you know, I, I kind of have a feeling that once Saturday rolls around, I'll be excited, I'll be nervous, I'll be whatever else like I normally am before a good game. But I don't know if I will be or not. And I think that's okay, because again, like we talked about, this year was so weird and everything's... I mean, hell, we thought the season was canceled for 45 days. We didn't think we were going to have a season at all for a month and a half. And so now we are here. So I, I, I kind of, you know, you kind of dealt with losing the season and now you have it back and it's a modified shortened season. And I, I mean, if there if there's a cancellation because of COVID, the game's not getting made up. And so... I, I, I know maybe coaches and players don't want to just treat this kind of like an exhibition season, but I'm almost wondering if I'm guarding my heart a bit by wanting to treat this as just like, well, you know, everybody who wants eligibility next year and that Wazoo can afford to bring back is welcome back next year because there's no uh, exhausting of eligibility this year. And, you know, Jaden Delora, we'll talk about him in a little bit. He's going to get basically seven free games out of this. If he starts every game and, you know, Max Borgie gets seven free games out of this and all this other stuff. I don't know why I'm talking this annoying, but I just made a choice. I'll stop for your benefit. I, I, I think that I'm having a hard time kind of marrying those feelings. And I'm sure that, like I said, I and you and others will get there on Saturday night. We're going to be down at my wife's cabin, my wife's family cabin on Hartstein Island. So uh, I have to, I'm going to be depending on Matt Chasnow to uh, to follow the game. So that's that's going to be a hell of a throwback for me that I'm going to have to I I have to listen to this game on the radio. I've got kind of, I'm kind of looking forward to that. So, uh, but it, it's it's been weird, and I I think. To take a moment and just realize that we did, we are here. The Pac-12 found a way to do this. They didn't, again, as usual, handle it the best way. Um, but we are here. And I'm just so glad that we are. And that we all we all get this thing to share and to be anxious about and mad about. In a year where, frankly, I, I you, you've seen so much division over so much stuff. And, and we don't, I, I, you know, we could obviously spend an hour or two getting into the weeds on all of it. But that there's this one thing we can come together and yell at each other on social media about who the starting quarterback should be or whatever it is. Or whatever choice uh, they make on defense or how bad, you, you know, what a bad pass Jaden Delora throws or something like that. That we all kind of have this thing, uh, no matter how weird it is. And I've written before about how weird this family is, but I love this weird family so much. We have this thing that uh, we get to come together again on, and I'm pretty excited about that. Let's talk a little bit before we have our conversation with Jeff about, you know, I, I guess just kind of expectations for this season. Nick Rolovich did confirm out loud today after Theo Lawson's reporting over the weekend that Jaden Delora will take the first snap 
He'll be the starter for Washington State against Oregon State. Um, I really and sincerely doubt he'll be the only person to play quarterback this year. Because again, you do not lose eligibility this year for any player. And even though Wazoo is again among the more cash poor schools in the Power Five, I'm sure they're going to try to find a way to hold on to as many of these players as they possibly can. And for no other reason than for depth. I mean, that's that's obviously something you're always going to be worried about. So it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with that. But Jaden Delora, I guess it's not too terribly big of a surprise to see him be declared the starting quarterback. He played a variation of this offense in high school. Nick Rolovich recruited him at Hawaii. And he has familiarity with the coaches, with the system, and that Cam and Cooper and Gunner Cruz do not have. Now, it's not like the air raid and the run and shoot are so diametrically opposed, like, say, the air raid and the triple option. Like, you would, I would never expect Cam and Cooper to be successful to go, uh, you know, from the air raid to the triple option. But you had a guy in Jaden Delora who probably presents a better fit for this offense, better speed with his feet, a little bit more dynamic runner, Again, more familiarity with it. We don't know a ton about Gunnar Cruz. We haven't seen him much. And nobody's seeing practice at all right now because one of the things Wazoo is taking advantage of with COVID-19, and I do think this is a take advantage of it situation, is they are leaving the press out of practice completely under the guise of being safe for COVID-19. And again, that's kind of a... They can wear a mask and be 20 feet away from practice, guys. That, that's, that can happen. But they are doing it. Um, I, I I think a lot of this just comes down to, at, at least for me, and it's a little bit of a cynical view on it. I maybe maybe, but it's just that that Cam. This is just kind of who Cam and Cooper has been, and that's not a knock on the kid. That it just in college, he has just it's not really ever come together for him. And maybe it would have if Mike Leach was here. And so you know, like I said, I mean, maybe this is a little cynical of me, but. It's just that this is who Cameron Cooper is. And that it is maybe not that big of a surprise that someone with a little bit more familiarity with the system and who's a little bit better athlete that fits this system um, beat him out. I don't ever want to just look at scrimmage statistics and take those as the gospel, but Cameron Cooper clearly has not looked good on a stat page so far this fall. And we know what we saw of him in two spring games. I, I never really came away impressed. He looked absolutely terrible in two spring games, especially the more recent one in 2019. Now, yeah, granted, that's, what, at this point, 18, 19 months ago, and I'm sure there could be changes in the quality of a quarterback play. In fact, I'm positive there would be changes. But this might just be who he is. That he was just never really destined to be the starter at Washington State. I mean, like, we all drooled over him and just kind of the body type and the arm cannon the kid had coming out of high school in Utah. You know, you, you have that that Luke Falk element to it because Falk went to high school in Utah. But maybe this is, it's just endemic of, of who he is. He might just be a kid who, for for him, the college game is just not a thing that you ever are great at you just never can make that jump and and again granted he was a four-star recruit 
So in theory, it should be something he can make happen. And he may be successful at Washington State still to come. This is perhaps premature. He may even be successful if he chooses to transfer somewhere. But it just doesn't seem like it's going to work at Washington State for him. I'm saying that now before the season starts and before Jaden Delore, maybe the wheels come off and Cammy Cooper goes in there and lights, lights it up. But we don't really have evidence that that is going to happen. Again, you don't want to take scrimmage stats as the gospel because if you did, Max Borgie would look terrible. He had a really bad second scrimmage. Um, but we all know that to not be true. So what, you know, I, I, I think that you try to take a little bit of a read on it and you say, you add that into the knowledge you already have. And I guess when I saw Theo's report, my first reaction was not shock that Cooper never won it. It was not, or that Cooper didn't win it. It wasn't surprise. It was just, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It makes sense from the standpoint you pointed out earlier that Delora has run this offense, but it also made, it made sense to me from the standpoint of that Cooper just never really separated himself from anybody else. I think Brian Anderson made a great point in our Slack chat that if Mike Leach is still at Washington State this year, KJ Costello is the starter. I I, I mean, it, it was it would be Gardner Minshew graduate transfer. He still took a graduate transfer last year in Gage Gabrud. And he would have taken another one this year. Is that because he thinks he that they are so much better than Cam and Cooper and Gunnar Cruz? Or, which it can be true when I also say that he's very worried about the skill of the quarterbacks behind them. And he's trying to bridge that gap to Jaden Delora or whatever other freshman he might be able to bring in. You can't, I, I can't say for sure, but it's at least a little concerning. So we'll see what happens from here. Again, I, I, I think it's highly likely that we're going to see more than one quarterback play this fall. But I, I was not surprised that Jaden Delora was the guy that Nick Rolovich went with. Defensively, boy, am I just going to be happy with a little bit of improvement. A little bit better. They were like 115th best in yards allowed last year. Like, let's just, let's get off the three digits. Let's go to two digits on that. Even 99th. Look at that. That's an improvement. That's getting better. That ain't bad. Never good when your coordinator quits in the middle of the year, guys. Let me tell you. It's never good. I think just from the standpoint of having someone in there, at least coaching them. And it's been all the COVID pandemic weirdness. But at least it's been the same coach since January. The same coaches for 10 months coaching these guys. And so in theory, that would help. No Lamonte McDougal doesn't help. He's in the transfer portal now, whether he comes back to Wazoo or not. Entirely different issue. I still have no idea what Skylar Thomas's situation is. He left. Uh, he put his name back in the transfer portal. He's still on the roster for what it's worth. We don't know for sure whether he's at practice or not, though, because, again, no media is allowed in. So it's going to be interesting to see what we have in this defense. And Jeff and I will talk about it a little bit, but for me, the linchpin really is Jahad Woods. And can he get back to being freshman and sophomore year Jahad Woods, a guy freed up by decent to adequate defensive line play? And boy, did I never thought, think I would say, I miss Taylor Comfort an awful lot. <laughs> never thought I would say that. But 
Is he able to get back to that? Having Peyton Pelour helped, but can he get back to being that guy who can just run around and hit people? Because that's when Jihad's at his best, not when he's trying to do too much like he was last year. And again, I'm not blaming him. There were other factors that went into it, but I want to see him get back to a little bit of that form in 2020 that he had his first two seasons on campus. It'll be really interesting to see if he can get back to doing that uh, because I, I really think if, if you're able to see him not getting blocked in the second level by offensive linemen like he was last year and he's not missing tackles, that's going to be very indicative of the quality of this defense this year. We'll see how they can get on, but I think that's going to be a big key to it. Okay, let's talk to Jeff. We're going to break in right here, and we'll be right back on the Kook Center Hour. Back here on the Coog Center Hour, we hope you bought whatever was in that commercial. We say that in the same vein that Jeff Neusser does on Podcast Versus Everyone because he's here to join us to talk about the Oregon State Beavers and just kind of overall about the season. We did kind of a small season preview podcast last week, but this kind of, we know a little bit more now, Jeff, and I was I was a little bit morose of just kind of, I don't want to say morose, but like, I kind of said like, if like imagine when you're drunk and you put your foot on the floor because, okay, I know that I'm not flying around a room. Like, I know this is normal. This is okay. And so I kind of equated this season to that foot on the floor a little bit. Like, it's just that little piece of something in all of this, in all this craziness that lets you know, hey, things are things are rel- relatively normal relative you're not you're not flying around the room about to puke <laughs> yeah i'm more of a uh, foot on the floor and hand on the wall guy it's got to be two points of contact <laughs> like if i get two points of contact then i i might be all right but but yeah you know here we are uh, it's all it's you know ga- game coming up it's kind of it's kind of weird and hard to believe and everything is all you know just completely out of whack it's uh you know, like we just, you and I got done watching the Sounders, you know, lay a giant turd tonight. But it's 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 crazy to think, like, really, they're, the MLS season is supposed to be wrapping up right now. Yeah. Like, play, yeah. like MLS Cup is supposed to be, like, next weekend or whatever, or was. And, and obviously that, that has an – and just everything is, is just so – man, it's just so wacky to think, like, oh, yeah, you know, season's starting on November 7th. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, man. Yeah. And well, and I just had this thought. We should, the NBA and NHL should be starting right about now, too. Like, they should, they they should should be starting. They should be starting. And we literally just got done like a month ago with the Stanley Cup and the NBA Finals. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's like, you know, it's done some very, uh, some very strange things with, (laughs) with all of our brains and our habits and just Mm kind of all of that, man. Because, you know, it's, you know, you, you fall in, you fall into certain routines and, you know, I, I don't know, man, the NFL, I guess, started pretty close to on time. So that yeah, they were, I think they were bang, they were bang on time except for no yeah, preseason, but, or maybe you know. a week or something like yeah. that. But anyway, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's both, uh, you know, comforting and, and disconcerting and, you know, trying to figure out how to, how to make sense out of, you know, a seven game season and expectations and, and all of those kinds of things mm-hmm. are um, definitely, you know, a source of a source of, of, of mind bending right now. As, as I'm trying to kind of put put all my emotions and, and thoughts together in my head as we yeah. uh, work through our preview stuff. 
Well, I, I kind of, I, we kind of discussed this and, and we've all as, as Kook Center authors have discussed this before where, you know, you're kind of trying to figure out how you want to treat this season. And I guess I've kind of come around to, you know, because going into what would have been a full 12 game schedule, I didn't have like these really high expectations for a new coach, a new offense, a new defense, you know, a, a defense bereft of a lot of talent. Um, I didn't have a ton of like expectations in the first place, but now when, now when the NCAA has said that anybody who wants to come back next year and whose school can afford, I think it's a big key for a lot of people to forget is whose school can afford to have them back for one thing. I don't know what Wazoo's put will be with that yet, but um, this gets the feel of really just, this is just an exhibition season to a certain extent, right? Where you're just kind of, you're going to see what you have, which I want, we'll talk about Jaden Delore and Cam and Cooper here, obviously in a little bit, but it kind of feels like to me, this is a lot of, let's see what you have. And it kind of feels like Nick Rolovich is kind of treating it that way, at least a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I, I do think like fans maybe have the luxury of doing that. I, I don't know. I'm not sure if coaches do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they maybe somewhere in the back of their mind they think, you know, hey, you know, all things being equal, maybe I try to figure out what I got. But I don't know, man. Rolovich seems to me like a guy who's wired. You know, he's not playing the long game here. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to think like like I think you know obviously the specific thing that we're talking about here is the Jaden Delora news, right? Where mm-hmm. uh, the starting quarterback is going to be a true freshman for for the first time that anybody is aware of at WSU. Um, and you know, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think the simplest explanation is he's probably just the best guy. And I think the best guys, honestly, I think the best guys are going to play. Um, I, I'm just not sure most coaches are wired to, to, you know, to punt, essentially punt right. a season. Now I could, could the fact that it's a seven game season influence, uh, you know, other decisions or how heavily they rotate guys things like that. I mean, I, I'm not saying it doesn't affect anything because I, I definitely think it does. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure that decisions are being made specifically with the long term in mind. And, um, and, and you know, and that, that might make more sense if, you know, if a coach was coming into a situation where a program maybe hadn't been super successful, uh, you know, going to need to weed some guys out, stuff like that. I mean, I think when Leach showed up, I think he definitely did some of that, even in the absence of a seven-game season. You know, with a full 12-game season, I think he definitely um, did some things to weed some guys out. I, I think you've seen him do that right now at Mississippi State. Yeah. But I'm not sure – I don't know. I'm not sure Rolovich is doing that. I do think you'll see lots of guys. I, I think that's going to be – a function of the of the shorter camp of the fact that they maybe just don't totally know what they've got so you know like you said you know figuring out what you got i think you may see you know bigger rotations uh, you know you may see some guys get chance you, you know you may see delora have maybe a little shorter leash than what he otherwise would if um you know, if he tend, you know, if he stubs his toe, and you know, maybe he's he's not playing real well. You know, you might see Cooper come in and at, in the second half and and go from there because hey, you know, <laughs> who knows what we got, right? Yeah. Like it's uh, you know sometimes 
coaches feel you you see they don't make a change at a position and you're like well, why is that guy still playing well the coach knows that the guy who's behind him probably sucks right so um, <laughs> i think in this case you know rolovich probably doesn't know anymore about who's good and who sucks and and he's he's yeah. going to have his eyes open i think to a lot of things once once they finally go live well, let's talk about, I mean, because that I, this is year four in a row with a different starter and year three in a row where there was at least some sort of, I'll say, quarterback controversy because I, I can't really think of a better term for it than that. But there was at least an undefined starter at quarterback before the season started. And I, I didn't make a guess this year because, A, we weren't going to be able to see any video from practice whatsoever. Theo Lawson wasn't going to be there. Cook fan wasn't going to be there. We weren't going to see anything. And frankly, I guessed wrong last year, so I don't want to put myself out there again. But uh, it's going to be Jaden Delora over Cam and Cooper, and we kind of we talked a little bit before we started recording. And I guess what I kind of said was it it surprised me, but it didn't because what we've seen from Cam and Cooper in a few spring games, and you know, obviously, you don't want to just take some scrimmage stats and apply, you know and extrapolate from there, but it's that Cam and Cooper has just never really kind of gotten over the proverbial, you know, mountain pass to be the guy. He's never come, you know, gotten up there enough to, I'm, it's a horrible metaphor, but basically he's just never been good enough to be the guy so far. And a guy in Jaden Delora who ran this, uh, a form of this offense in high school was a guy Nick Rolovich recruited, kind of seems like a natural fit to come in there and take over a little bit. Yeah. As far as Cooper goes, you know, I know that Mike Leach was, uh, was enamored with his talent. Um, felt like he had the, the ability to be, um, a really good quarterback for mm -hmm. him in the air raid. Um, you know, I think, I think we saw that belief in him when, you know, the, the spring game, you know, last year, that the one, not the one that didn't happen, but the one. That yes, yes, the 20, that, 2019. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so Tinsley play, you know, Gabrut's hurt, Tinsley plays, uh, Gordon plays, uh, and they play on, you know, one on Crimson, one on Gray. Well, then after they were done playing, uh, Cooper comes in and he's playing for both Crimson and Gray, right? As a, as a way to, to get him, you know, maybe try, try to pack in some reps, right? Mm -hmm. And, and he just, I mean, has a meltdown, right? I mean, he's throwing interceptions left and right and, and just, you know, they keep trotting him back out there. Yeah. And, and he keeps throwing interceptions and eventually, you know, they, they finally, you know, mercifully, you know, pulled him out, let, let Gunnar Cruz play. But, um, you know, there's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a tough deal. I know that, you know, he's, he's, he's not a real vocal guy by nature. Um, you know, obviously that didn't hold him back in high school where, he was a really talented guy, um, you know, and, and different guys can lead in different ways, but, you know, I, I, I know Leach kind of maybe felt that way a little bit about him that, you know, he wanted to develop a little bit of that more forward leadership. And then Rolovich, you know, mentioned it, you know, pretty much right off the top this fall that, you know, Hey, you know, he's, he's just not very vocal, but you know, it's okay. I mean, different guys have different leadership. I, that, that was a clear message to me that he was trying to tell Cooper, Hey, I need you to, I need you to speak up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for whatever reason, you know, it's maybe just not quite all, you know, coming together for him. And, you know, the talent is, is very obviously there. I mean, he was, a you know, an elite 11 guy, which is, you know, really just, 
talent. Like that's not, you know, they're, they're not looking at really leadership or anything like that. You're mm-hmm. just, you know, can you make the throws? Do you have the arm strength? Do you, do you know your offense? Stuff like that. Um, so the fact that, you know, he wasn't able to get over it, you know, I don't know. And then the other thing is, I mean, he spent two years repping in the air raid. And while, you know, the, the run and shoot is a, is a cousin of the air raid, um, it's, it's definitely different. And yeah. to go from, you know, a, a very strict progression-based system that he repped and repped and repped and repped and repped, you know, for two years to, you know, something where it's it's sort of a read and react thing, um, you know, and you could you could sort of pick your spots on the field that you want to target, you know, that's a, that's a tougher deal, and it's not necessarily it may not even be a situation with Delora where um, he's just so proficient at the run and shoot. It, it might just be a situation where he doesn't have. The baggage of that, I mean, like, look, you're a golfer. Yep. Um, I, You've golfed with me. I am not a good golfer. <laughs> and I was, okay, so so this, gonna, this metaphor is going to come around, I promise. So, like, I was a pretty good baseball player when I was younger. Not, not great, but, you know, made, like, an all-star team when I was, like, 12 or whatever, right? Okay, so I'm a baseball player. Had, didn't play golf. Didn't start golf until I was, I don't know, 15, 16 years old. Well, ultimately – uh, I should have gotten lessons right off the top because I'm swinging a golf club like a baseball bat, right? right. Which is exactly what you don't want to do, right? Right. And and so my biggest barrier to becoming a better golfer was the fact that my muscles had done this baseball bat thing for you know ten years, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes I wonder, like, if you know, with Cooper and Cruz, Cruz to a lesser extent, but Cooper you know, two, two years of, of rep and all that air raid stuff. Um, and he came from an air raid offense in high school. I, you know, I don't know, like sometimes that, that muscle memory can, can be tough to break. So maybe that was a factor too. I don't know. You know, Delore is a better runner probably. Uh, we don't know that for sure, but, but I'm pretty confident about that. Um, he's yeah. built a little more like a running back. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was going to say based on body type, we can probably be, yeah, we can probably yeah. be pretty confident that you know I, I mean yeah and I, I it's certainly part of it is right is that this this offense involves a, little, a lot frankly a lot more running from the quarterback than the air raid does but um, oh yeah any, any one is a lot more than zero so I, that's also exactly. a thing so um exactly. so it will be Jaden Delora I think you're right that we're probably going to see some mixed in whether it's because Delora is not performing or because of a COVID test which we've seen all over the Big Ten as well and that's a whole nother mess we won't even get into because there's so many unknowns with that. So we'll operate as if everybody's going to remain healthy here because that seems to be the easiest thing to do when trying to preview this football team. Um, offensively, you lose some talent. You lose Roderick Fisher. He walks away from the team. Tay Martin transfers to Oklahoma State because he had no idea what was going on with the Pac-12, and I certainly don't blame him whatsoever uh, for going to Oklahoma State. But you're still left with some pretty dang good talent at that position. Uh, we don't forget running back. We do. We know Max Morgan. He's good. But at receiver, I think I I even forgot. I was like, oh, Jameer Calvin redshirted. Jameer Calvin is still on this roster, and he is now going to play outside because height's not as important in the run and shoot, perhaps. And it kind of creates this whole new dynamic where. You were worried about height, relatively speaking, at X and Z in the air raid. I mean, Aesop was bar- he barely cracked six feet tall, but you were at least a little worried about it. But it's not as big of a worry in this offense. Yeah, I, the the wide receivers are still they're exciting. Yeah, you know they they're guys who um, I think you feel real good about your at least your top four. And you know one thing that the the run and shoot. Um, under Rolovich, 
does that's pretty different from what Leach does with the air raid is that your top four play most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Leach has a pretty uh, a pretty I wouldn't call it strict, but like a, a pretty good you know every other series thing that he goes with with his guys. About the only exception of that was was Brandon Arcanado, who when he was healthy was playing just about every series yep. uh but particularly on the outside where those guys were doing the most amount of running they, they were you know pretty strictly every other you know Aesop was you know trading off with with dennis patman and uh you know tay martin was you know trading off with roderick fisher quite a bit that one may have been a little bit more like a like a 60 40 split but still it's you know like they're rotating pretty heavily um you know rolovich isn't going to do that so that, you know, if you if you've got a real good top four, maybe top five, you know, you're feeling excellent. And you know, I feel like, uh, you know, WCU's top five could could go up against you know pretty pretty much any top five uh, in the conference. And uh, you know, it's exciting to have you know Calvin Jackson back. I mean, that guy definitely mm-hmm. could have played more if not, you know, behind some guys who were who were pretty truly awesome. Uh, you know, it's so good for him that he gets you know another year out of the deal. You know, redshirting last year. Uh, Jameer Calvin coming back, uh, you know, I think it's it's easy to forget how exciting he was, you know, his his first couple of years. So, um, you know, so that's that's a very cool thing. You know, Travell Harris, Renard Bell, uh, both those guys have an opportunity to excel in this offense in a way that they probably wouldn't have in the air raid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Renard Bell, just you know, small guy. Uh, Travell Harris, you know play in that H position, which just for whatever reason saw, you know, fewer passes in the air raid at WSU than it had in other stops uh, for Leach. So, uh, you know, they'll get more opportunities in this and probably more targets in this uh, than they would have gotten in the air raid. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool, pretty exciting. Um, You know, those guys, I think, uh, you know, I, I think there's, there's a real good chance that, uh, that they could be, you know, still incredibly explosive. Yeah, I'm really happy to have Calvin Jackson back, especially just the flashes he's you saw last year. Because I think it was last year or the year before. It was the first year where you could do the the four games and still redshirt, and he just he still looked the part, and you know purposefully redshirted so that Mike Leach would be in this situation this year. Obviously, he's not here. He's having a great time down in Starkville. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> first deep, shutout of his career. This yeah, past boy. Weekend. I mean, I, my look, goodness. look. You know, you know my opinion generally that it's ten years for an AD or a coach in a place, and then it's probably time to move on. And boy, is that uh, he might be wishing for one more here. Um, yeah. oh, they're paying him more, but. <laughs> Um, Jake Dickert's got his, his work cut out for him. I don't think there's really, I mean, another way to put this. We, we've talked about last year about how, you know, for the the coaching staff at that time, that this was a multi-year reclamation project on defense after the departure of Alex Grinch and after Tracy Clay's rather unceremonious exit in the middle of a season after giving up 50 points and a half. And then I, I, I don't even remember that Utah game. Frankly, the, the beer was flowing quite well, and I'm glad it was. Um, but Jake Dickert has his work cut out for him. There is there is some talent on that side of the ball. I certainly don't want to just take a, you know, a, a, a load off on these guys and just say it's all bad over there. But there's <laughs> Cosmos Queedy transfers and as the president of the Cosmos Queedy fan club I was very disappointed he was probably the most rawly talented guy on the defensive line 
Lamonte McDougal's not going to play this year for, you know, he had COVID earlier this year, and we don't know if he'll be back next year. The defensive secondary is still a disaster zone. Jihad Woods did not look like himself last year. Can you give me one thing to be excited about on defense? Because I'm having a I'm having a really hard time. Like I'm talking myself out of it after talk, trying to talk myself into it a little bit. Well, I mean, nowhere to go but up, right? At least that's, that's you're not doing think. a great job so far. I'll tell you that uh, much. Yeah, no, it's, I'm I'm Mr. Positivity uh, and Mr. Optimism. No, they I, look. I think number one, that unit was yes. So nowhere to go but up, but. So much of what the problem was last year, um, you know, I think was just, you know, out and out dysfunction. Like, yeah. like, I mean, they, they had dudes who didn't know where they were supposed to be. They, I mean, it just, it, it really, it just looked like a, a train wreck. I mean, it's never, it's never a good thing to have a coordinator quit in the middle of the season. Like that's, that rarely makes things better. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might see a, a small bump, you know, immediately, uh, you know, firing a coach or having a coach quit, but uh, long term, it, it never really works out. And and this one obviously didn't really work out either. I mean, if you know Rock Bellatoni, you know God bless him, and you know I'm sure he's a wonderful man. But um, if he was a good defensive coordinator, he would have been a defensive coordinator last year and not yeah. the linebackers coach. You know, I mean, you know, before he got elevated to defensive coordinator. So, um, you know, that's that's really just kind of how it goes. So I I think look, I think there's some thought that Dickert's a smart dude. Uh, that he, you know, obviously having some stability and some excitement on defense should reduce uh, the dysfunction. You know, if they can just be assignment sound, uh, they should eliminate some of the truly horrendous plays uh, that we saw last year. And if Mm -hmm. you can eliminate some of the truly horrendous plays, then, you know, that makes a big difference. I mean, I think I wrote something, (laughs) gosh, probably about a year ago at this point, uh, but talking about all the explosives they were giving up and how, uh, the real magic of the Grinch defense uh, for us was, you know, really limiting explosives and making teams execute in the red zone and, you know, just kind of making them work, work, work. And then maybe eventually you get a negative play or a turnover and then the offense can go to work, you know, with that, uh, you know, getting a negative play with the, you know, the penetrating defensive fronts with Mata Hoffa and, you know, and those guys, um, you know, and then eventually maybe, you know, you get a turnover before they can score. Great. They just were giving up so many big plays last year, huge, massive chunk plays, right? And, uh, you know, you look at some of the losses where you're just like, my God, if you could have just like been, you know, 5% better, you beat UCLA, you probably beat Oregon, and all of a sudden now you're looking at another eight-win season and you're feeling great right about the direction of the program and they couldn't even do that so maybe a little organization maybe that really helps um and then you know i i think you feel like this secondary in particular played way below what it was capable of i i'm not convinced that uh that the defensive line is was a was a organization issue uh, I think there there may be some legit talent issues there, uh, yeah. but if you want to feel optimistic, there are some young guys getting who are maturing, you know, guys like Ron Stone, guys like you know Willie Taylor, who you know had a pretty good freshman year, maybe not so good last, you know, so you know maybe some physical maturity there is helpful, uh, you know, maybe Travion Brown coming in and hopefully maybe being the middle linebacker, mm-hmm. giving you a little more dynamic play there, uh, maybe frees up Jihad Woods to not feel like he has to do everything. 
uh, and be sort of constantly out of position. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think there's reason to think some of that stuff, uh, you know, can, can come about. I look, what's reasonable to expect? Maybe they, I don't know, they go from a unit that's ranked 115th to a unit that's ranked you know, 70th or 60th, you know, if that happens, I would frankly be thrilled with that. No, I'd frankly be thrilled with that. To be honest, I would, I would be, I would be thrilled. I do want to focus on one guy briefly before we just kind of close out and touch on your thoughts for the season. And that's Jihad Woods. Cause I, I kind of talked about him earlier where, you know, seeing him backslide so much last year, it, it, it didn't become apparent. You know, I don't want to say like, his bad play became apparent, but what became apparent in that Northern Colorado game, and I uh, people didn't believe me for once I was right, was that they were missing assignments. The defensive line was missing assignments, and the reason why they won that game handily was because they just flatly are much better athletically than Northern Colorado, obviously. But there were issues up front in that game, and Jihad Woods all of a sudden has to do, like you said, he has to do everything. And you cannot expect anybody to do that, especially when... Previously, he had a defensive line in front of him that could eat up blockers, and he was free to do whatever he damn well pleased in terms of hitting people. And now he's got to go all over, and he's missing tackles last year. I don't know how much of that's mental. I don't know how much of that's talent, whatever it is. That's just the guy, I mean, just you look at raw athletic talent, and he just it, he has it in spades, and you got to hope that that's the one guy in terms of maybe a little bit better defensive line play, maybe the secondary covers a little bit better, and he can really get back to who he was in 2017 and 2018 a little bit. Yeah, I think there's reason to think that. I mean, you know, what was what was the difference? You know, well, he didn't have Peyton Pelluer standing next to him. That also, right? too. I can't believe I forgot uh, about Peyton Pelluer, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, so he's... Uh, you know, and I think I think Justice Rogers' issues with tackling and, and not tackling in particular, um, I think those were you know reasonably well documented, and, and I think pretty noticeable to most people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure he's a fi- you know I'm sure he's a fine young man, and you know I'm not trying to not trying to rip on the guy, but at the same time, I think I think we can agree that he wasn't um, he did not play as well as, as Peyton Bloor had played in mm-hmm. the years before. So, all right, so great. You know, now is, is, is Rogers back there and is he playing better or does he get overtaken by, you know, Travion Brown or, or Dylan Sherman? I mean, Brown is obviously the, the athletic superior to those guys. Uh, but, you know, Dylan Sherman, you know, steady guy, former walk-on. I would hope that one of those two guys could win that. Um, I would not feel great, you know, if Rogers on them because, again, you know, with Woods – what you want him to do is you want him free to run around and, and, and really just sort of create havoc. Uh, you know, he just really couldn't do that last year. He was just running around, you know, scrambling for his life, you know, trying yeah. to trying to get off blocks. And, and that's where, you know, the linemen come in. Right? He, he's not a guy, so you got to keep linemen off of him uh, so that he can run around and do his thing. And, uh, you know, there's, there's maybe some hope that, that that's there. Uh, you know, I, I hope that the defensive line issues were um, as much about coaching as, as anything else. I, I do think uh, having Amir Crowder back, I think, is an underrated uh, development. I, I know the coaching staff really liked him before uh, until he got injured last year. So, um, you know, that's a guy who may sort of be a dark horse candidate to be, be a real impact guy on the defensive line. And, you know, if they can occupy some dudes – um, and let Woods, you know, run around and, and do his thing and not have to make 200 tackles this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, that would be a great thing for sure. 
you and Craig talked about it a little bit on uh, podcast versus everyone, and I I was listening to it while walking the little one, and I I kind of was nodding along weirdly, looking at my child walking around a soccer field, and all these parents looking at me like, "What is this guy doing?" But uh, it, basically, your expectations for this season, and and I you know I talked about it a little bit where it's you know I mean, what am I really expecting out of this? I don't really know. And since bowl games are kind of just way out, I, like we don't even know what the heck's going on with those. Um, so we'll forget about those for a second. But seven games, your crossover game's probably going to be, I would expect, against someone who's your rough equivalent in terms of skill. Um, two, three wins maybe. I don't think Stanford's probably still very good at all. David Shaw's going through a genuine rebuild down there but it's probably pretty safe to say everybody in the north is as good or certainly better than washington state and you get the pac-12 propping up one of their two playoff teams by sending us down to play usc so two three wins maybe because i think like you and craig said that kind of translates into four to five ish in a full season yeah i think uh three or more and i feel really good yeah, um, you know, if they can go three and four, four and three, like I feel, I feel really good about that. Um, two, I think, is where I'm sort of expecting it to land. Uh, if you know, if it if it lands at one, then I'm feeling, I'm not feeling great about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one one or zero is not feeling great. Uh, but I, I don't know that anything. <sighs> I mean, it's easy for me to say right now, right? Like, it's easy for all of us to say right now that I don't know if anything's going to make me feel anything because it's all so weird. Um, I'm sure once I'm in the middle of it, I'm going to feel all the feels because that's just kind of how it works. But, yep. um, you know, even if they do only win one or two games, I'm just not sure if I'm going to be able to work up any, you know, any outrage over it or any any real angry emotions because I just, you know, it's, it's also very strange and, mm-hmm. you know, new coach, new whatever. Uh, you know, if it was Leach, if he had stuck around and we were, you know, sort of, you know, consistent with, with, you know, that program, that would probably make me feel less good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Rolovich, I, I mean, no spring practice, weird abbreviated fall practices. I, mean, I just, I, I don't know what we are going to actually be able to, to take away from this. Um, you know, I've, I've tried to kind of watch other programs around the country as they're going through their thing and all of them seem to be sort of interpreting it as if it, it is just as meaningful as any normal season ever was. I, I don't know if I'll be able to convince myself to do that. Yeah. So. Well, next year gets a little easier when you get to actually play like Portland State early on in the season. Maybe I shouldn't say that given our history with that football team, but it does get a little easier uh, in the season. Jeff Mexico Mucer. State, San Jose State, maybe if we were playing those guys. Yeah, well, I yeah, if you got in your slate of Houston, Utah State, and, uh, oh, God, who was the, who would have been? I think Idaho. Oh, I, we Idaho, lost a right? battle of the Palouse. Yeah, we'd probably feel better if we were playing Idaho. Oh, sure. man. I kind of weirdly like that rivalry. I don't know what it is. Like, yeah. yeah. I don't know why. I just like, well, I mean, we kick their butt every time anyway. Uh, yeah. Jeff Neusser from Podcast versus Everyone are uh, all the superlative words about him being our managing editor because I can't think of them because I have a three yeah. and a half month old. So there's all those other That's things nice. as well. Well, I said I, I didn't mention anything specific, so use your imagination. Uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us, sir. <laughs> Thanks, Michael.
Thunderhead. Love that waiting time. I've had this gripe for so long and I don't understand it. What is up with Sunday drivers? What is up with on that one day of the week, all of a sudden, everybody collectively decides five miles an hour under the speed limit sounds great. And more importantly, how does that get decided when you're driving in the city of Seattle? And I don't mean like there aren't gorgeous spots in Seattle. There are plenty of beautiful places in Seattle. Drive slow past Cary Park. Do that same thing on the waterfront. It's beautiful. Many beautiful places in Seattle for a view along Alki Beach Drive. Really gorgeous. On the road from Home Depot up the hill to the Morgan Junction so I can go to the grocery store to pick up a couple of sandwiches before the Seahawks game because I had to drop my wife and kid off because she had blown out her diaper. We needed to get that changed, but I also needed to make sure we got some food into us before the game started. We didn't have enough time to cook. And I had to go to the grocery store to pick it up. Can we please pick up the dang pace? Please. No more Sunday driving. Whoever does it, my Dunderhead of the Week, month, year, ever, eternity, after I am dead, I will haunt Sunday drivers in their rocket cars going one mock under the speed limit or whatever it will be. When I get on these rants, you just don't know where I'm going. No Sunday driving. Sick of it. Ask Michael anything time. up with Swedish grandparents. Lord knows Swedes don't drive fast. You guys ever driven in Ballard? Like back in the day when Ballard was Ballard. Did you ever do that? Oof. Ain't nobody driving fast there. It's like just having Sunday drivers for grandparents. It's terrible. I'm going to keep talking about it too because I mean I, that's, that is how hot it gets me. That's how bad. <sighs> Ask Michael when at CQG86, I don't know why I sounded depressed. At CQG8606, social distancing. Sean, is there a beer of food you love to eat and drink, but your wife hates when you do? For example, I love Old Rasputin Russian Imperial, but the wife hates when I drink it because of the farts that happen later. Pickles. Wife hates them. Won't even won't even kiss me or like she can like smell them apparently on my breath for a day after I have them. Same thing with like mustard. Really doesn't like mustard. Yeah, those two things. I purposefully get pickles and mustard on stuff I do not want uh, her to like eat at a restaurant. You know, like take like off my plate at a restaurant. At Green CPA, Green CPA. If Nick Rolovich was to get a cabinet post, which one would be the best fit? Oh man, I'm a Secretary of Transportation probably because of uh, his offense, right? That would be a good one. Department of the Interior, depending on... Secretary of the Interior, depending on... Uh, oh, wait. Secretary of State. He, he teaches at State. Jesus. I don't come up with that. At Devin Lewis 89 Devin Lewis, what kind of Cougar outfit will the new executive producer be wearing for her first Cougar football game? She will be wearing her sleep sack. She will be asleep. <laughs> Bye. Probably about five minutes into the first quarter. That is bedtime for her. At Chris McKinter, although I... Yeah, we... 
We actually didn't buy a ton of Coog gear for her, weirdly, because I think we're going to wait till next year to, like, really invest in some stuff. So I think we'll do that next year. But, yeah, she's going to be in bed. At Chris McKinterf, Chris McKinterf, would you rather go 6-1 and one and lose the Apple Cup or 1-6 and six and huck the Fuskies? You know my answer to this every time. 6-1. and one. Don't care. Better record. At, at Marcusel... Marcusel Chemist? Marcusel Chemist? Mark. I don't, I'm sorry, buddy. If 2020 was a sandwich, what kind of sandwich would it be? Uh, a bologna on rye. I mean, we, we could go with like, you know, like turd sandwich or whatever, but bologna on rye. At Ellis Hughes, Ellis Hughes, NTDs for Max Borgie. How do we recreate the Pullman experience at home? Well, that first question is I, I would just buy Bush Light, start drinking it at home. I say smoke meat inside. Be danged the carbon dioxide. No, don't do that. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that at all. Don't do that. Smoke some meat outside. Get some beers. Have a good time. It's like tailgate if you have outdoor space tailgate. That would be really fun. I think we're going to try that for at least one game this winter. Just be me on the patio in the rain grilling. Uh, seven games. I'll say 12 touchdowns for Max Borky this year. Now, 10 touchdowns for Max Borky this year. At TDC underscore Thompson, Adam Thompson, who has worse farts, you or your newborn? Generally, when I fart, other stuff doesn't come out and ruin the clothes I'm wearing. So, her. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, we didn't really talk much about Oregon State, did we? Brand new offense, practically. Defense still pretty good. Oregon State 34, Washington State 27. Going to take more than a game to figure it out. I think that Stanford game, their best bet early on, but I think Cougs lose uh, by a touchdown. Oregon State's just a little bit better team this year. They're finally going to catch up after, what is it, like six or seven years in a row Wazoo's won that game? Plus that rivalry getting a little extra bitter with Rolovich in charge now. So probably be better next year. We'll see you guys next week on the Cook Center Hour.